It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is our local rice, parboiled rice. It's what we use to make sumbala rice in the Del Wende restaurant. Le riz au sumbala dans le restaurant de Luende. That's Gonre. It's January in the center of Ouagadougou, the capital of Burkina Faso. In this thrumming city of more than two million people, we're sitting in on a community lunch in a small restaurant called Del Wende, where our cook for this episode, Francine Tranagda, is presiding over an event with women from the locality. Gonre, Zamne, Boualboala, Babenda and Zumbala rice. It's no surprise that Francine, the manager here, has prepared a host of traditional Burkina Bay fare for this feast. After all, this is no ordinary restaurant. This restaurant has a really important mission. Because long term, I want to open a training center for preparing local dishes, where I can train young women and housewives who don't know how to cook our local foods. Eschewing imported dishes and championing the local is a theme that has animated much of Francine's life. What's the philosophy behind this? It's really to consume what we produce. We need to have this maturity, this culture of being able to consume what we produce and consume local ingredients, ones that are available in our country that we can use and value. Francine's a pretty accomplished cook herself, but ever humble, she wouldn't call herself a professional chef. My goal is for every woman to be able to cook at least one local dish in their own home. This is really important. And key to many of these traditional dishes is sumbala, a potent condiment made from the fermented seeds of the native nere tree, or African locust bean to use its English moniker. It's an ingredient that exemplifies all the qualities that Francine champions in Burkina Bay cuisine. Delicious, unique, local, and a flavor embodied with centuries of heritage. Without it, you can sense that there is a flavor missing. I'm your host, Kunbo Salako, accompanying you for this episode of The Star Ingredient, the series where we're meeting local chefs and communities who are on a mission to bring indigenous foods and ingredients back to the table. Today we're bringing you to a kitchen in Burkina Faso in West Africa. On the menu are seeds of the Nere tree transformed into mouth-watering zumbala, a traditional condiment in this part of the world used to flavor everything from meat and stews to soups and rice. 
Fair warning, it's a pretty complicated process to make this flavor powerhouse, but ask any Bukinabe and they'll assure you it's well worth the effort. Francine Chanagda was born in Ouagadougou, where she grew up in a big convivial family of nine children. I grew up in a modest family. My mother and father were both school teachers, and there were nine of us children, five girls and four boys. It was a modest family, but we got a good education because we were fortunate to have parents that were educators. Like many of the other cooks we've met during this series, her love of food and cooking began at home. My parents taught me to cook. Naturally, my mother. She taught me how to cook when I was young, so from the age of six or seven, I was really interested in cooking. Home was also where she was introduced to the flavor that crops up in so much of Burkina Bay cuisine. When I was very young, my mom showed me how to cook a sumbala sauce. Just sumbala with hot water, then a bit of salt and a bit of oil. You don't have to cook it. You make it like that on a plate and voila, it was delicious. The nere seeds from which you make zumbala are small and shaped like beans. They're very small, but very, very, very hard. So you have to cook them all day for several hours. And the next day, you have to remove the casing, you pound them to remove the shells, and get the pits out of them. And these pits inside, you boil them for about 30 minutes. Then you put them in a basket where you wrap them hermetically and leave them for two days to get the finished product of Sumbala. If you can get your hands on these raw fermented nere pods, probably the first thing that'll strike you is their overpowering smell. Really strong. Sort of like a strong cheesy smell that lingers in the nose. Yeah, I always say it's like camembert or African mustard. It has a strong smell. But once you put it in the sauce, you don't get this strong smell anymore. The result is not only delicious, but potently nutritious. Zumbala is rich in protein, carbohydrates, lipids, and is also a good source of fat and calcium. And for the people of Burkina Faso, it's a useful supplement to diets, particularly during the lean season, when the seeds of the nere tree mature and are harvested. Burkina Faso is a landlocked, largely flat country that shares a border with six other nations. And while agriculture employs around 80% of Burkina Bay people, the country is still heavily dependent on imports of the same crops that feed the world, rice, wheat and corn. When it comes to a staple food like rice, which Burkina Faso can and does produce its own variety of, local producers face stiff competition from lower-priced imports from Asia. Imported rice costs half as much as local rice. 
So there are plenty of people who want to eat our local parboiled rice, but then they say to themselves, I cannot have as many kilos for a large family. So if I have to eat the local rice, I cannot satisfy my family. So I'm better off eating imported food. But this philosophy, this idea, is where we really have to call on the people in charge. Even if it means they have to subsidize production of this local rice, we have to do it to allow the population to consume it. According to the World Food Programme's most recent country report, 3.5 million people faced acute food insecurity in Burkina Faso in 2022. Political instability and conflict, driven by an ongoing Islamist insurgency in the north and east of the country, have created an increasingly volatile food security situation. But events beyond the country's borders, like the Russia-Ukraine war, are also making Burkina Faso particularly vulnerable to food supply shocks and soaring prices. In March of last year, the UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres warned about the food crisis facing African countries that rely on wheat imports. 45 African and least developed countries import at least one-third of their wheat from Ukraine and Russia. This includes countries like Burkina Faso, Egypt, Democratic Republic of the Congo, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan and Yemen. We must do everything possible to avert a hurricane of hunger and the meltdown of the global food system. Burkina Faso came under French colonial rule in 1896, and like other countries we've visited during this series, its agricultural production and food security have been heavily shaped by this legacy. During the colonial period, the authorities enacted a system of forced cotton production that led to a decline in cultivation of native cereals and foods. Land once used for food crops like millet, corn and sorghum were redirected towards the production of cash crops for export all of which contributed to making the population ever more vulnerable to famine and food shortages in a region prone to drought. Food commanded a certain respect. We grew up with the legend of the famine of 1914. Alfred Sawadogo is a sociologist, agricultural expert and former politician who spent much of his life training young rural farmers in his native Burkina Faso. At 79, he's old enough to remember how famine and the spectre of food scarcity marked the Burkina Bay collective consciousness. Even according to the administration's figures, 57,000 people died because of the drought in 1913. So, this period during the drought, the famine was very hard. Born in Tikare in the province of Bam in northwestern Burkina Faso, Alfred's life has spanned the latter part of the colonial period as well as the turbulent birth of his country as an independent state. So, we grew up with this story, the shortages, the famines, it was part of our life. In 
the 1980s, he would also come to play a role in a transformative moment in Burkina Faso's history where food sovereignty and agricultural reform were placed at the centre of the government's agenda. Our reporter met Alfred in the office he keeps in the City Andu neighbourhood in Ouagadougou. Bonjour. This district sits right alongside the international airport that is named for Thomas Sankara, the Burkina Bay revolutionary and pan-Africanist that swept to power in 1983 following a military coup. Alfred was appointed by Sankara as the minister responsible for overseeing the work of non-governmental organizations in Burkina Faso that proliferated in the country following a series of devastating famines that had gripped the country from the late 1960s. An avowed anti-imperialist, one of the stated missions of Sankara's administration was to achieve food sovereignty in his native country. The idea of Sankara was that we must consume Burkinabe foods produce what we consume and consume what we produce. He repeated it like a broken record. In October 1984, Sankara gave a memorable speech at the United Nations. There are those who ask, where is imperialism? Look at your plates. When you eat imported rice, maize and millet, that is imperialism. You don't need to look any further. Beginning in 1983, Sankara's administration shifted public spending towards agriculture and irrigation, with 71% of investments in the productive sectors dedicated to agriculture, livestock fishing, wildlife and forests. Sankara personally oversaw the building of a dam in the Soru Valley, rallying local villagers to volunteer to complete the project, enabling the irrigation of 8,000 hectares of land devoted to cereals, rice and market gardening. In his role as minister overseeing the activities of NGOs operating in the country, Alfred was tasked with directing the NGOs to help with projects that could ultimately secure the nation's self-sufficiency. That meant organizing the NGOs in such a way that their work could be directed to specific areas like that of water, like market gardening, any domain that could empower the people to take on more responsibility, to strengthen their capacities and their thinking in order to progressively manage these things on their own. Renforcer leur capacité et leur euh, réflexion pour progressivement s'auto-gérer. Just four years after he came to power, Sankara was assassinated in 1987 in a coup initiated by his former ally, Blaise Compore. I was young, but what has stayed with me is that Sankara really wanted us to consume what we produce. The airport, the memorial, the streets and the university named for him attest to the lasting impression Sankara made on the Burkina Bay people. Among them, women like Franceline, who's devoted her life to some of the same ideals he espoused. He really wanted us to be able to produce and export ourselves and not reach out to the outside world every time. Food self-sufficiency was really his motto. It was really his slogan. 
sa devise, c'était vraiment son slogan. In the early 90s, having completed her studies in project management at the Lycée Technique de Ouagadougou, Francelene started working in the NGO sector in Burkina Faso. I was employed by a Canadian NGO where I worked with women's associations. This gave me the desire to set up an association to help women get access to small loans so they could generate their own incomes. In 1999, France Lane co-founded the organization Femmes de l'Avenir, Women of the Future, an association to offer support and training to disadvantaged Burkina Bay women. When I created the association, initially I did a study. I did surveys with them to see what these women do, what activities they carry out, and what their positions are within the family. Because these are women who are widowed, whose husbands do not work, who are unfit, who are out of the country, and they are the pillars of the family that have to be supported. What I realized was that these women have potential, but they lack the financial means to generate their own incomes. The motto of Femme de l'Avenir is one woman, one activity. Every woman has to have a skill or project that can help them make a living. You come to the association, you sign up, and if you don't have a project, I'll help you find one. And then you have to bring it to fruition. This idea formed the basis of Del Wende. Here, Francelene could give the women in her association the chance to learn the ropes of running a restaurant, and at the same time, educate the local community on using local ingredients to make traditional Burkina Bay dishes. Women like Ibudu Fanta, one of the members of Femme de l'Avenir. We are truly part of Femme de l'Avenir. We prepare the food and we also do events in the open air. We invite the population to come and discover our traditional meals. We prepare traditional meals and we invite people to eat them instead of Western food because we want to protect these traditions. In this restaurant, the women are not just learning to cook traditional meals with local ingredients, they also produce and sell traditional foods like biscuits made from indigenous crops like millet, white and red sorghum and native tubers. And here, Francelene is drawing from a lifetime of experience of learning to cook from her mother, their housekeeper, her neighbours. I had a grandmother who lived with us and she made sumbala and sold it. She'd buy the nera seeds at the market and prepare the sumbala at home. Francelene has continued the tradition, teaching women from the association to produce their own sumbala product. I prepared sumbala with members of the association on rotation. We produced it twice a month, every two weeks, because making sumbala takes about three days. We start preparing it on Thursday, and by Saturday, the Sumbala is ready. 
le sumbala est prêt. With only one slight hiccup, you might remember we mentioned that nere seeds give off a very pungent smell in the cooking process. As it turned out, this marathon three-day Sumbala prep started to cause Franceline some problems with her neighbours. The area where we are at the moment is very densely populated, and the smell of Sumbala bothers the neighbours who are really starting to complain about it. Our dream for the future? We want to build septic tanks so we can get rid of the stinking water. The solution for now has been to move the production outside of the capital and entrust it to women from the association who live in a village about 20 kilometers from the bustle of the city. They produce it and deliver it to us here. So they're outside the city and can make it because they have no problem there. No one complains. The trouble is worth it, not just for the finished product, but also because selling the Sumbala has become an important revenue stream for the initiative. We sell it. We sell the Sumbala and this income allows the association to function. Naturally, there are expenses incurred with the association. Bills, like electricity, water, these have to be paid. For Franceline, for the women of her association and for Franceline's grandmother before her, Sumbala has been something of a lifeline, and it's not an uncommon story in this part of the world. The valuable pods of the Nere tree have a long association with bolstering the livelihoods of women who are traditionally responsible for harvesting and selling them in the country. It's a tree that has a lot of virtues. Aside from the seeds which we use to make sumbala, a tree like this, whether it's the bark, whether it's the leaves, it can also be used for its medicinal properties. Still, while Sumbala remains popular for flavouring all kinds of Bukenabe traditional dishes, it's in danger of losing ground to industrially produced products like Maggi cubes. These stock cubes are made by the Nestle-owned Maggi company, which was founded in Switzerland by Julius Maggi, considered a pioneer of industrial food production. Today, they are ubiquitous in West African cuisine, despite the fact that they don't have anything close to the robust nutritional profile of something like Sumbala. Burkinabe use Maggi cubes a lot. It's used in families, in large families that can't get a little fish or meat to put in their sauce. They think that by using these Maggi cubes, they're going to enhance the flavor of their dish. But with Sumbala, if you put a lot of Sumbala, you can get the same taste. To put it mildly, Franceline is not a fan. You don't make local food with Maggi cubes. No, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Maggi cubes aren't good for you. Much of the concern around these cubes relates to their high sodium and trans fat content which some believe contribute to conditions like hypertension. In 2017, Senegal became the first country to regulate their components, limiting the salt content of all cubes to 55%. And it's partly why Franceline is proposing to create a healthier, traditional alternative.
I intend to make a kind of Maggi cubes, but using Sumbala, that will replace the imported Maggi. I've been experimenting with it, but there is not enough money to buy proper machinery to be able to produce them on a large scale. When I started, really, there was a lot of excitement. I know that the first time I tried it, I sold it in the organization, and genuinely, it was a hit. And I dream of doing this, and I will, inshallah. Then there are the threats to the Nere tree itself. Despite the species' resilience to its dry Sahelian environment, it's not entirely impervious to the impacts of climate change. Desertification and reduced rainfall are posing significant challenges to the tree's natural regeneration. One of the main threats would be the aging population and the lowering or the reduced productivities of the trees. With time and with uh, the climate variability, with uh, more uh, spells of drought over the years, that have really, really reduced the vitality of some of the, the trees in the natural stands. They become more vulnerable and uh, their fruit production or leaf production are reduced. And as such, that starts depleting the individual trees in the landscape. Mokhtar Sakande is a seed biologist who works within the Food and Agricultural Organization's Forestry Division. And for the past number of years, Mokhtar has been working to implement one of the African continent's most ambitious reforestry projects. Africa's Great Green Wall is an African-led initiative that started more than a decade ago. And by 2030, the initiative is seeking to restore 100 million hectares of degraded land in that agro-silvopastoral landscape in the Sahel. Launched by the African Union in 2007, the project aims to fight desertification by seeding vegetation across an 8,000-kilometer belt of degraded lands extending across the Sahel from Senegal to Djibouti. In the process, the Great Green Wall seeks to create 10 million green jobs, sequester 250 million tonnes of CO2, boost rural livelihoods and increase food security. So, ambitious to say the least. Parca biglobosa or the Nere, the African locust bean, is one of the species that we are planting in the Great Green Wall area in, in Burkina Faso. We graft the seedlings in the nursery. Once you have graft seedlings, for example, and you plant them out in the field, you reduce the productivity period. If a nere tree will take 15 to 20 years to produce, by that techniques of grafting, you can reduce the production to 7 to 8 years. According to Mokhtar, the success of the project depends on support from the local community. You have to sit with the communities. You have to sit down with them to discuss and to understand what are the difficulties, what are the needs, what are the preferences for the species, what are the objectives of the restoration. There has to be some agreement on where to invest, where to uh, intervene, and where to implement the restoration and so on. This really put the, the, the community at the heart of the whole thing. But for this project, explaining the benefits of restoring and regenerating the Nere tree to local communities is an easier task. After all, they know better than anyone the value of a species like this and the importance of protecting it. The species often spared by the farmers. 
because it's integrated in the, the traditional agroforestry system. So the farmers, they will spare the tree itself because it's improved the soil fertility. It also helps in terms of you know, animal feed and food. This is one of the most important native species in West Africa, where you have, you know, all part of the fruit, all part of uh, the trees, the, the byproducts of the trees that are used by the community for their livelihood in the area. I'm just crushing the sambala to put it in the soup. We're back in Ouagadougou, where France leans preparing the meal that we're about to share with you. We're going to prepare boile boile, which is a local dish prepared in Burkina Faso. A meaty soup with balls of millet dough seasoned with the ubiquitous simbala. For the soup, you'll need some kind of meat of your choosing, chicken, mutton, beef, whatever you have on hand. You'll also need some millet flour and water to make the dough balls. We make the soup with a bit of onion and tomato that we fry in oil for a few minutes. Bring the water to the boiling point, add in your sumbala and let it simmer for a few minutes. And now for the dough balls known as dough. Knead the millet flour with water, knead it very well into the shape of small balls and add them to the soup. After a few minutes, the dish is ready to serve. Bon appétit! The Star Ingredient podcast is created by food lovers at Euronews for those with curious taste buds around the world. I'm your host, Takumbo Salako, and this series is written and produced by my colleagues Ashling Nikulan, Nara Dablashian, and Marta Rodriguez-Martinez in Lyon, France, with original reporting by Sasha Ganking in Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso. Our consulting editor is Catalina Mai in Santiago de Chile, and our solutions journalism consultant is Michel Foyne in Paris, France. The theme music is by Andy Rabini. Sound mixing for this episode is by Hugo Pouillard. Our production coordinator is Louise Lehegg, and our editor-in-chief is Patrick Heary. You can listen to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you normally get your podcasts. For more information on The Star Ingredient, go to our website, euronews.com culture. And are you a French speaker? Then you can find a version of this podcast in French called La Surprise du Chef. Podcast The Star Ingredient was funded by the European Journalism Centre through the Solutions Journalism Accelerator. This fund is supported by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. Mm. 